0: The Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. It is Thursday, June twenty second. Coming in late again on this episode because the Boston Celtics couldn't get their shit together yesterday, and we had to uh, kind of start over on everything. Right, Keith Smith posted an article on Porzingis to the Celtics in a Clippers three way trade that got next late. Yesterday, which turned into a gigantic, maybe even bigger Marcus Smart trade to Memphis. I'm going to touch on that lightly and the end of this podcast. Keith Smith's going to have plenty more to get to, and by the way, he has posted the second version of that trade breakdown, which now includes Memphis, Washington, and Boston, and even a little Clippers. the The trade that didn't exist, right, and what it means, what they were looking to do, and uh, where they may be headed in the next couple of days. We're about a week and a half away here from at least some formality, right? July 1st, that NBA offseason start. But there's plenty of rumors out there. It's obviously draft night. I'm going to touch on some notable draft points. I posted an article on SpotTrack.com surrounding the first round of the NBA draft. Not so much the one tonight, but all of them. A historical look at first round picks from a financial earnings standpoint. I'll get to that in a second. And uh, I'm going to open with some NFL. Cause it's been a minute and the NFL is in vacation mode, which is terrifying for every single team because, uh, unfortunately we don't go through this period ever on an annual basis without some kind of issue. And I think we're already starting to see one in Tyree with some sort of uh battery charge being filed against him here. So that's a, that's certainly a big story to keep watching here for the, with a team that a lot of people think is, uh, on the way up. No question about that. And, uh, Who knows? There's probably more coming, unfortunately, but it's a scary time for for NFL teams who see uh, a lot of their veterans go on vacation together and uh, stumble into some bad situations. But plenty of draft picks yet to be signed. We'll continue to to, uh, crank those out as they come down. 90-man rosters are as formal as I can get them right now. And uh, it's kind of a waiting game before we approach training camp and final roster cuts and all that fun stuff. So it's... It is still a good time for extension discussions. Uh, We've got the franchise tag extension deadline coming up in about three weeks here. That's certainly your running backs, Evan Engram, and a few others. But I'm going to focus on Justin Jefferson today. It's a name that I've dropped a few times here, kind of in a negative connotation, because I'm reading the tea leaves with this Minnesota Vikings roster. And by the way, all those people out there that threw threw some hate back at me or have thrown around, Confusion with, you know, this is the arguably the best team in that division right now. You're probably right. And I think I bet (laughs) him in that regard. But they're certainly trying to do two things at once here. Um, And whether that other factor is a full rebuild on the fly or simply just a cash dump on the fly, there is absolutely a subtraction happening in our, you know, in front of our faces. And that's evident, right? I mean, they have made trades. They have made outright releases. They have not extended their quarterback. They have not restructured, you know, all over this roster to make them as financially stable as possible for the the immediate. They're thinking about the next couple of years. There's no question about that. And that's why, even though Justin Jefferson has been extension eligible now for about six months, we've heard very little on this contract. Now, he has stayed away from the team as much as possible there's it's clear that he wants a deal in minnesota and that was a question that i initially brought up a couple of weeks ago is he looking around the room and saying this is not where i want to be for the next four years guaranteed because who the heck knows am i getting a brand new quarterback that's a what if am i getting a brand new defense that's going to take some time to mature uh there's just a lot of turnover happening and it's really hard to do that on the fly and keep success in your back pocket but the division's kind of breaking right for them. You know, there's a lot of turmoil happening really with every franchise. Um, And even Detroit's got their own piece of that, even though they're on the, on the way up. So I think Minnesota still all things can, you know, all this committed might be the most stable team heading into 2023. I just don't know where their head's going to be after that. So when we start talking about these numbers for Jefferson's contract, does it fit the model that Minnesota has for themselves for the next four seasons? That's the only reason I'm saying this. I am, In no shape, way, or form, saying that a team should give up on Justin Jefferson now just because it's a lot of money. No way. Uh, He is transcendent, generational. He has broken every record you could have asked him to break. And I'm not going to bore you with those. You've heard him on the broadcast week in and week out. It's the most prolific wide receiver, first three seasons we've ever had. And there's no way around that. So this could be a very short conversation, right? I could just look at you and say, he's going north of 30 million a year. He's going to get the 75 guarantee that Cooper Cup has and that's it. But I think it's more than that. All right? Because he's got leverage here, not only because of what he's done on the field, but because of everything I just prefaced, which is Minnesota kind of is in a vacuum right now. And they're trying to get out of that vacuum and think about the next iteration, the next generation of the Minnesota Vikings. And they're going to try to transfer Justin Jefferson and a few other you know, rookies into this next generation, which is really hard to do, especially if those are the high paid players. Um, it could also be as easy as saying it this way. They know they're going to have to bag Jefferson 80, 80 million guaranteed right now just to get him back on the field. They are probably assuming they're going to have to drop 45 million per year, three years fully guaranteed for Kirk Cousins next year because... Plan B is just not going to be there. you know. Whatever they have in their brains as moving on from Kirk Cousins and starting over probably isn't going to be as good of an idea or as secure of an idea for the immediate than just paying Kirk Cousins. So the thought process is instead of giving Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson gigantic money right now together, we're just going to stagger this thing. We're going to make sure Jefferson gets his money today. And we're going to let Kirk Cousins dangle until tomorrow. The problem with that is Kirk Cousins is basically a third franchise tag value next February. So you're risking letting this thing get to free agency and having someone come in and and reset his price. And I know Kirk Cousins gets a lot of bag, right? Money and uh, hatred, right? Double entendre there. But there are a lot worse options out there. And many teams have worse options right now. And there are going to be teams that go through this upcoming season and an option that they thought was stable becomes unstable very, very quickly. I'm going to quickly run through that scenario uh, in the second segment of this episode. Uh, Just the stability of these quarterbacks from a one through 32 standpoint, just to allow you to kind of decide for yourself, where is your team going to be? Where are all the teams going to be? How many teams are actually going to be in the running for potentially a new quarterback situation next season. We're seeing between eight and 12 annually. And that's kind of a low ball off the top of my head estimate, just knowing what I have to do on a, on a off season basis, eight to 12, whether that's going back to the draft pool, whether that's trying to poach a free agent, whether that's acquiring via trade, which we've seen a couple of off seasons in a row now. So you dangle Kirk cousins out there next March 13th. I don't know. Is somebody in? Yeah. Somebody's in. Okay. Okay somebody's in so i think it's a staggering process i think they're trying to delicately get younger and in turn get cheaper without damaging their product right now too much um i think they've been successful like i said i think i'd put some money on them right now to win this division i'm not saying that they've trashed this roster even though it seems like there's been a lot of pain over the past couple of weeks transactionally but what about jefferson let's just assume everything i just said is fact. And they're going to pay Jefferson this year and figure out everything else next March. What does it look like? What does it mean? 30 million is the current number, except if you've heard me speak at all about this, I don't buy the 30 million for a second and you shouldn't either. Okay. (laughs) This Tyreek Hill contract uh, to bring him back into, into the light a little bit here is the absolute poster child contract structure for a Drew Rosenhaus deal, which is we're going to make this look phenomenal on paper. But if you really start to dive into this thing, and it doesn't take long, you're going to look at the last year of this five-year contract for Tyreek Hill and notice that there's a $45 million salary, which never becomes guaranteed until week one. Okay. Never. It's total fluff. It's total backload. All right. Out of 140.6 million on this contract, 45 million lives in the last year. So what is this actually? This is actually about three for 75. This is really about 25 million per year. Okay. So that's a very big difference. All right. The same conversation can be had with the Andre Hopkins recent $27.5 million extension. It was tacked on to three existing years for two years that he never saw. Cause he was just released out of it. Okay. He never saw it. So did we actually get to the new money? No, we never got there. And that's becoming a bit of a trend with the NFL right now. Now it's, it's improving and it's getting to that, you know, gaudy point at the same time we're seeing shorter deals, but we're still seeing that fluff exist in a lot of these contracts and some of it's agent based and some of it is team based. And, um, you know, a lot of it is getting better, but this Tyreek Hill is exhibit A. Devontae Adams, who's at the top of this wide receiver money conversation has a very similar situation. All right. Some might say even worse than Tyreek Hill because of all the compensation that was given up. And this was a five-year 140.25 deal with the Las Vegas Raiders, but it's really a three for 67 and change. Okay. There's 72, 72 and a half million built into the back end of this that's that never vests early. Never. It's just, if you're there at age 33 and age 34, there's 36.25 per year to have. That doesn't sound reasonable. <laughs> okay. Um, so again, this is a $22 million contract on its face, 22 and a half at most for a three-year term. A lot of fluff. So where does Jefferson actually fall in? Okay. Well, if we're talking short term, high impact, less fluff, tons of guarantee, Cooper Cup's contract is kind of the, uh, the one we should be dealing with the most, in my opinion. All right. He signed it at age 29. That's not just in Jefferson. Okay. So already a, a plus two, let's put it that way, for Jefferson getting north of every single number I'm about to talk to you about here because he's 24 and a half years old as it stands right now today. Adams was 30. Cooper Cup was 29. Tyree Kill was 29. If those are the three contracts that we're referencing, and rightfully so, they sit at the top of the league right now, 29 years old, 30 years old, lots of fluff. Cooper Cup basically got three for 70. There is an early vest on $7.5 of his 2025 compensation. So if we talk about that as sort of a buyout scenario we're talking about 77 and a half million dollars for three years. Okay. That's over 25, approaching 26 million a year. It's about as good as we can do right now on an adjusted AAV based on guarantee structure. That's about as good as we can do. If we drop down to AJ Brown, who was basically signed and traded out of Tennessee to Philadelphia, and obviously made immediate impact there. We're talking a better age factor here, okay he was 25 the time that happened it's a gigantic 5 year 104.4 he's getting about 57 and a half over the first 3 seasons all right not great right i mean if we think about it in that regard now he was being extended out of a year 4 draft salary okay didn't have the 5th year option because he was a second round pick so there's that to be factored in here Justin Jefferson has year four plus a fully guaranteed $19 million fifth round pick, almost 20 million to be honest. There's 21, there's 22 and change over the next two seasons fully guaranteed for Justin Jefferson to finish out that rookie contract. So that's a factor. That's something that gets rolled in here. However, it should not factor in any of this extension conversation we're having in terms of new guarantees, new AAV, et cetera, et cetera. What it does say to me is Jefferson shouldn't accept anything more than three new years. Uh, Totaling five is absolutely a max right now. If you can get less, get less. Okay. If you can get out of this contract with four total years, three fully guaranteed, and you're 27 years old when you're talking about your next contract, you're going to absolutely break the bank because of who you are because of where this cap is going, because of where the cash flow is. And oh, by the way, because maybe you're not even thinking about Minnesota at that point in time. Maybe it's about being somewhere else and getting yourself into a sign and trade type scenario where you can demand the world from a new team at age 27, hypothetically in your prime, right as a wide receiver in this league. So less is more in terms of the term, but a maximum three new years to add to total up to five total for Justin Jefferson on this next contract. So while the AJ Brown age factor and extension factor is somewhat similar to what we should be talking about with Justin Jefferson, you have to throw it out the window because this guy's making 19 million a year basically for three years. That's just not going to fly. Okay, this is a historic conversation we're having here with with uh, Justin Jefferson pro- from productivity standpoint. Back to back to back, all pros. Out of the gate in your career, second team, second team, first team. I don't, I don't even think I need to say anymore. Okay, he's averaging almost a hundred yards per game as a as a three year starter in this league. That's insane. Okay, that's absolutely insane. Um, and if you aren't a Kirk Cousins person, then you should think even more of Justin Jefferson, right? Because he's doing this with Kirk Cousins as his quarterback. So what if this was a insert your favorite quarterback okay there's just a lot to be said here and numbers tell the story i don't need to tell it for you so will he be a 30 million dollar per year player my easy answer my quick answer is he has to be and this is why he has to be a real true 30 million per year not the fluffy one not the ones that are that look great on paper not the ones that i have to sit here and explain to you why they're not actually 30 million He has to be a true 30 million per year. And if that takes a gigantic signing bonus, something Minnesota has shown they will do in order to to alleviate some of the two or three later, that's what's going to have to happen. So to keep this brief, if we're just talking 30 a year, which would make him essentially the second highest non-paid quarterback in football behind Aaron Donald for a minute, right? Because there's plenty of defensive players coming we're talking three years, 90 million, 80 million of it guaranteed. That's wild. I mean, that is, that is a big time number. Probably too much right? in terms of practical guarantees. Can we get a portion of that? Does this mean he needs to go to that fourth year to lock in north of 75 million guaranteed? Or is that going to be something that he folds on? In order to get himself back to the market by age twenty-seven, age twenty-eight, like I referred to, it's possible, right? It's possible that he takes sixty-five to seventy million guaranteed on this on this next contract, which is still you know sixty-five to seventy percent of this contract. In order to get himself back to the market, which I believe is smart, especially with what what should be considered a three-year sort of confusing window for Minnesota right now, especially with the quarterback position. Does he deserve more? Yes, he really does. He, he mathematically calculates the 28 million a year. Okay, even with all the fluff out there. So there's just a lot going on. Okay. But this is where football is going. We've been saying this for a decade. This is a passing league. This is the best version of that. All right. At one point in time, Patrick Mahomes was in this situation and he didn't just beat the market. He destroyed it with his $45 million, with his $477 million total contract. Okay. He looked at the market and said, I don't belong here. I belong way up there. That's what Justin Jefferson has the ability to say right now. Okay. Truly. You want to tell me this is going 32, 33 million a year? Nobody's going to gawk at that, all right? You want to tell me this should be three for almost 100 million? Nobody's going to gawk at that, okay? Because this guy really is that much farther apart than anybody else in this conversation. And we just had the big reset last year. Now, the 30s and the 28s and the 27s, as I laid out, not as real as we want them to be. So in my opinion instead of blowing this market out of the water from an average standpoint, let's make it substantive. Let's make sure that the 65 million he's getting over the next two and a half years, right? Fully guaranteed signing, whatever that's going to be is absolutely lock and key. It's structured properly for his purposes. Okay. Cause Minnesota is getting cheaper everywhere else outside of this cousin's contract. And that he fortifies The wide receiver contract market with structure, not with flash, but with structure so that the next man up, and by the way, version three of Justin Jefferson's contract, right, coming in three, four years, now has precedent to say, okay, we did that one. Now the cap is 290, (laughs) okay, and 40 is the new number because we're going to get there that quickly in this passing league. If the quarterback numbers are going where we're going. And the cornerback numbers are going where we're going. And left tackle numbers are going where they're going. Wide receivers have to follow. They just have to. They're going to be in focus as much as any other position, not name the quarterback, for the foreseeable future. And if this is the cream of the crop, then it's his job not so much to say per year, but to say guaranteed, locked in, no fluff, short, dirty, full guarantee, get me out of here. And Minnesota has a precedent for that because they're doing it with their quarterback and they've been doing it for the past decade. And they're probably going to do it again next March. So again, I can throw 30 million. I can throw 75 guaranteed. I can throw all the big numbers at you two year, three year cash. Justin Jefferson needs to say no to the fluff. That's the biggest request from the salary cap nerds out there. Okay. Trim the fluff, get yourself back on that market by age 27, 28 at the max, and get two really good versions of what a wide receiver contract should look like in the 2020s going forward. Okay, as promised, speaking of Kirk Cousins, the quarterback stability test. I'm just going to lay this out there and let you decide. I'll give you my number at the end of this, but this is really just a quick eye test. Confidence in this quarterback in 2024, not 2023, one year from now. Kyler Murray, that's a no for me. Desmond Ritter, for now it's a no, until it's a yes. Lamar, yes. Josh Allen, yes. Bryce Young, I guess I have to say yes for now. Justin Fields, it's a no for now. Joe Burrow, yes. Deshaun Watson, has to be a yes. Deck Prescott, it, I guess it's a yes. Russell Wilson, it has to be a yes contractually. Jared Goff is a no until he's a yes. Jordan Love is a no until he's a yes. CJ Stroud locked in for at least two years here, in my opinion. Same with Richardson. Trevor Lawrence is a yes. Mahomes is a yes. Herbert is a yes. Matthew Stafford is a no, even though he's fully guaranteed. Garoppolo is a no. Two is a no, even though he's fully guaranteed. Kirk Cousins is a no, not under contract. Mac Jones is a no. Derek Carr It's a no, even though he's fully guaranteed. Daniel Jones. It's a no, even though he's fully guaranteed. Aaron Rodgers is $100 million next year, so I have to lay off that one. Jalen Hurts is a yes. Kenny Pickett is a no. Geno Smith is a no. Brock Purdy is a no. Baker Mayfield is a no. Ryan Tannehill, not under contract, is a no. and Sam Howell is a no. So I was wishy-washy on maybe four or five there, but I have three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. I have 18 no's right now. I could probably talk myself down to about 14 or 13. So again, we're in that eight to 12 mark, okay? So if I'm wrong on a half dozen, we're talking about at least 10, 10 safe. 10 safe no's for next offseason at the quarterback position. Okay, what if Pittsburgh looks amazing but Kenny Pickett is below average? That's a Kirk Cousins destination. Okay, it's a Kirk Cousins destination. What if Tampa Bay re-signs Mike Evans three for a hundred, has Godwin, has an offensive line, has maybe the most expensive you know left tackle and Tristan Wirfs coming up here, and has a secondary that can win some ball games? But Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask aren't the answer and they're drafting 18th next year for some reason, right? Kirk Cousins is an option. What if Will Levis isn't the guy? And Tannehill's contract expires. Kirk Cousins is an option, all right? Washington, all right, maybe not. (laughs) But um, Atlanta, what if Desmond Ritter's not the guy? That team's ready to go. Kirk Cousins is an option okay so it's not going to take it's not going to take much is my point all right to get a guy like that after Minnesota goes through the season which i think will be mildly successful i think it'll look normal from minnesota from a regular season standpoint they're going to have to deal with the fact that they're not going to franchise tag kirk cousins because of the semantics from his last couple of years and they're going to have to deal with the fact that he's going to hit the open market at least before Signing an extension because that's probably just good business on his part. Now, if they offer the fully guaranteed three years, like the, he's been getting the last couple of iterations, maybe that doesn't happen. But I think the agent would at least be pushing for him to go out there and test the market, right? What is Tennessee going to offer? Okay. What is Tampa Bay going to offer so that we can come back to Minnesota and say, it's great, but we got to get to this number now. And by the way, 45 is the new second tier. <laughs> OK, pretty easily. I mean, Burrow and Herbert are going 52, 53. Lawrence is going 55. It's where we are. So 45 is the new second tier for a minute until it's not. So it's not as rock solid as you think it might be. And a full guarantee no longer means this player is locked in with this team for next year. OK, the, the, the trade carousel is going to pick up steam especially with this new fifth-year option situation where Tua is fully guaranteed next year. Well, what happens if we get stuck, right? What happens if that team, which I know is ready to win all around him, has to deal with the fact that he's, he can't hold up from an injury standpoint? He's fully guaranteed next year. Are they just going to ride with Mike White? Or are they going to look to upgrade immediately to make sure that the rest of the roster, which has been aggressively built to win, doesn't get left in the dust? It's fascinating stuff because you're dealing with such high risk and high numbers with the quarterback position. And certainly with some of these others, right? This Justin Jefferson contract, it's a massive risk for Minnesota because if they don't hit on this rebuild and and a lot of other positions that they're trying to flip over, they're just going to be stuck with a hundred million dollar wide receiver. And what could be a $200 million quarterback in the, in a six month span. And that's not enough to win football games. You know, you need a hell of a lot more than that in these rosters to get yourself into some serious postseason contention so it's uh it's a fascinating tell right what arizona is doing and we talked about it a little bit is maybe even more fascinating are, are they are they visibly giving up on their 190 million dollar quarterback just with four years left term left right is that what's happening right or are they just saying we know it's not our year and we're going to golden state warriors this thing and get ourselves as cash thrifty as possible, right? Save as much as possible, try to get the best draft picked and then use it as a weapon, not so much as an asset to go and select another quarterback and replace Kyler Murray. Because as we saw in Cleveland, once you have the other quarterback on the roster, trading Kyler Murray is going to be impossible without you eating the world of salary to get him out the door with picks, right? So, it's fascinating what's happening, but every, every team sort of has their own little wrinkle right now. You know, the Bills have the, the dig stuff and maybe some Allen stuff and maybe some coaching stuff, right? There's, content, there's issues with contenders all over the place, right? How is Cincinnati going to handle the wide receiver barrage that they have to pay here? T. Higgins is due. Jamar Chase is coming. Joe Burrow is in talks. It's a lot, there's a lot of money coming out of that pipeline soon. Dallas has a Dak Prescott contract situation. Still doesn't have their running back room figured out, in my opinion. And then there's some defensive mouths to feed. So everybody's got their stuff. So yes, it's uh, it's vacation time for the NFL. But these are the conversations that are not just happening with us. They're happening internally. It's all about taking care of your own time. And for some teams, as you referenced here, it's an extremely expensive conversation. And uh, the risk is as big as it's ever been in this league because... When you're talking quarterbacks or high-priced wide receivers, um, you need to know you're getting multi-years out of it. And you need to know that everybody's going to stay happy, right? The last time Minnesota paid a gigantic wide receiver in Diggs, he forced his way out in two years. So there's (laughs) there's some salt in the mouth right now in this situation. I don't think Jefferson would get there. But as I said a couple of weeks ago, would that stop him from signing in the first place, right? Does he want a three-year plan with this roster? Does he want to know exactly where everything's going or is it simply blow me away with money? And then if I have to get traded, we'll talk then. Probably the approach players are taking right now. All right. Quick switch to the NBA here. Um, Version two of this trade is sort of official, not yet official, but Keith Smith has a great piece on spotright.com breaking down all of it, including what didn't happen for the Clippers and what that might mean for them. Um, Look, Marcus Smart to Memphis is kind of fun. And I know there's going to be a lot of Marcus Smart leaving Boston conversations, but Marcus Smart joining this Memphis team is fun Um, for two reasons. A, I think it's a pretty good approach to start to get some of those kids to grow up. Uh, I'm not going to name names, but Marcus Smart kind of had to go through that, didn't he? He had a really, really uh, weird college career that, turned into some issues coming into the NBA with it from a draft perspective which is why he ended up where he ended up and he just grew the hell up in Boston and became this heart and soul type player that obviously you're seeing right now if you're reading any kind of uh you know social media in terms of what Boston just lost there's a lot of concern about what they just gave up now they got back a big and two first round picks so Marcus Smart who was absolutely in decline last year you know especially defensively I don't know that seems like a a pretty freaking great haul for a contending team giving up a player that I think they can stand to lose on the court now in the locker room I don't know you know that stuff's going to have to work itself out one of those superstars is going to have to step in and become the new voice that Marcus Mark clearly was not just in the locker room, but in the huddles on the floor, every, you saw this guy, this guy bore it out everywhere. Uh, I don't know if there's a player like that on that roster anymore. So I get that sentiment, but Memphis getting that player, whew, that's nice. Okay. That's really going to stabilize some things, at least, you know, down the road. I don't think initially he's just going to become that alpha there. Uh, it's going to take a minute, but that's the right kind of player. In my opinion, to to toss into Jaron Jackson and John Morant and Desmond Bain and and the, and the likes of that, that's the right kind of player. Um, perzingis leaving Washington, there's nothing to be said here. All right, I think he was going to opt out, test the market, and then uh possibly re-sign with Washington. And then Bradley Beal got traded. And Chris Paul is here for three seconds before he gets waived or traded again. So they're completely in tank mode, 100%. And we we kind of saw this was coming. Porzingis opted in in order to make this trade possible. Okay. Boston needed this trade to operate in 2022 money. For a lot of semantics, I won't get into. Keith dives into it in the article. In order to do that, Porzingis had to be under contract for 2023. Okay. He couldn't be an expiring free agent and be and be eligible to be traded in the current league year. So opting in was the only way to make this happen. He did so. So he is now under contract at 36 million for Boston next season, fully guaranteed. Okay. Will they look to extend him. No, not yet. They're they're not going to do anything right now. It's not like the NFL where you can extend a player and lower his cap it. Okay. (laughs) That's not how this works. So that number's there. And when you tie that with Tatum and Brown for next year, you got hundred million dollars cash and cap. That's what they're dealing with. Now, where does that rank? I tweeted out a gigantic list of all 30 teams in terms of their top three salaries this morning. It's not as high in the list as you might think it is. Okay. We've had uh, quite a lot of teams stack up their big, their big three and Boston is somewhere. I'm going three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, they're 10th. They're exactly 10th at a hundred million. Okay. Phoenix's new big three is now worth 130 million next season, which is easily the most in the league surpassing golden state's top three. Um, And that golden state top three by the way does not include draymond green that's Poole, thompson and curry for now (laughs) obviously this is a snapshot there's all plenty more to change here in the coming days and weeks but that's what boston has done Uh, what does it mean for them from a tax perspective because i think that's the question most people are going to ask right now is did they just sink themselves for the rest of the off season look, I've said this too much. Uh, if you listen to Keith, he says this constantly because it's just the way of the world. But timing is every Right now, there's, you know, there's some change to work with in, in Boston. Now, they've got 11 players on a roster. That doesn't have to be the case. Okay. There's, there's a lot of situations. There's some non-guarantees they can throw off here. Um, they're over the first apron from a tax perspective. So they're a taxpayer in terms of their exceptions, which is you know a $5 million mid-level exception right now. They're only seven and change away from that super tax apron though. And that's where it gets you know kind of gross. Because if you start to fill out the roster a little bit here, let's just say you throw three minimum players on there to get you up to 14. And then you want to try to use that $5 million mid-level exception at 5 million. Well, you're going to be over that second apron which is going to exclude your ability to use everything, okay? Or to make any kind of in-season moves, really. I mean, that's what the super tax is about. It's about, look, you can go there, you can spend the world on your current roster, but you are going to be frozen from doing anything else. That's That's the short summary of what this new CBA has done to massive paying teams. Boston certainly does not want to get there. So if you're reading this article from Keith, or if you have talked to Keith at all on social media, which I know a lot of you do, he is under the mindset, and he's pretty dialed in, that there's another move coming. Will it be trying again with Malcolm Brogdon? I think that's probably the most likely scenario, that they try to find a team with cap space and or a big three or four team blockbuster to sneak him in. And don't be surprised if one of these draft picks they just acquired from Memphis is utilized. In moving Brogdon, who clearly now has an injury history that other teams are concerned about. And, you know, rightfully so. He had it in Indiana. It reared its ugly head a little bit last year with Boston. So they may have to sweeten the pot a little bit to get him out. Can they find a team with cap space that they don't have to bring back 22500000 and a half million ish of salary for this upcoming season? Because if they can do that, right? Let's say they bring back one piece from a depth perspective, maybe a a backup, backup point guard. To sort of replace this. Now they've really freed themselves from, you know, closing in on the second apron, maybe even getting themselves in a better first apron scenario, right? They're only eight million over right now, eight and a half million over right now. So there's a world where in the right scenario, they move one more player and really clean themselves up from a financial standpoint this year, which, you know, is only needed if it if it's necessary. You know, if they have a plan, let's just if the plan is to acquire is to bring in Chris Paul once he's bought out. Let's let's just say that. okay? they're going to need some more room to operate to do that. All right. And by the way, that's not a crazy idea, especially if you're moving on from Brogdon and Marcus Smart. But I do think there's one big move coming to financially make this a more stable roster. What it looks like on the court, we don't know yet. That's the fun part about this, right? It's all hope at this point in time. That's what the NBA draft's about. That's what these trades in the offseason are are generally about. That's why something like Phoenix is so damn intriguing because it looks like it should be phenomenal. And it might look like Brooklyn did for three years with Harden and Kyrie and KD. But uh, hope is the theme of the offseason every July 1st. And I think from a roster construction standpoint, Boston got better today. From an intangible standpoint, I don't know if that's the case. All right. I mentioned one more thing. There's a piece live on spy called the top earning NBA player by draft pick. We have a view now in our draft tracker. If you're following tonight along with the picks that allows you to see this live and you can drill in and kind of see what the, uh, the top three or four players are at each pick, um, to summarize this and make it a little easier to understand. Which player in NBA history has earned the most money as the number one overall pick? You should know that one pretty easily. It's LeBron James, 400, almost $432 million. Um, and he's not done. Okay, he's got $47 million more this year and a $50 million player option thereafter, which means he could be, should be, the first $500 million player on the court. It's, ha- it's about to happen. It's going to happen, in my opinion. And it should happen within the next two seasons. Um, so I've got a one through 30 breakdown here, the top earning player at each draft pick. And I can tell you right now, the number 30 overall pick player has earned more than 75% of the first round. That's your tease. The number 24 overall player has earned more than 85% of the first round. Okay. There's some there's some names on here. There's some old school names. There's some really dud picks. All right, like the worst pick from a financial standpoint all time in this first round is pick 29, with pick 22 right behind it, which is which is something because 22 is fringe playoff right before they change things and and all the play and stuff. You know that's that's not a good team. Okay. So there's just been some duds there. I think the biggest dud pick, though, if I had to say this out loud without you know teasing too much of this piece, I'd love you to go read it and let me know thoughts. It has to be pick 14. The 14th overall pick, okay, in the history of the NBA draft, the highest earning player selected there is Marcus Morris Sr. at $89 million. I checked it. I checked it a bunch of times. Okay. It's just a weird anomaly. But if you picked there, you didn't draft a star. It just didn't happen. It hasn't happened yet. Now, full disclosure, and I say it in a little blurb I have here on the piece, Bam Adebayo was the number 14 overall pick. So he's coming. All right. And this time next year, he will overtake Marcus Morris as the highest earning player as the number 14 pick. So there's at least some improvement coming there, but it's been a long time, okay? The salaries have been increasing now pretty healthily for 10 to 15 years in this league, which means there's been a hell of a lot of swings and misses here, okay? For, for a journeyman like Marcus Morris, you know, an above average starting player at time, but mostly a role player, to be the leader in the clubhouse that high in the, in the first round, right? That's the biggest anomaly in this entire piece. But um, certainly some names you're going to remember. A lot of active guys here. Um, definitely some surprises. And like I said, the number 30 pick, maybe you know it because we've heard it quite a bit over the past couple of weeks here, but uh, shouldn't surprise you when you see it. But he's uh, he's on track to make over $360 million in his career as the number 30 overall pick in his respective draft. So that's live on spotter.com. It is NBA draft night. We do have the NBA draft tracker, which has projected contracts for every single draft pick in this upcoming draft, from Victor Wembanyama all the way down. Keep up with that tonight as picks are selected. Uh, we'll, and obviously, as trades are made, we'll be swapping things out left and right as much as possible. And uh, they will be non-cap charges until they actually sign and until they are guaranteed during the regular season for the regular season so if you're going to look and see why victor Bamignana isn't yet hasn't yet impacted the san san antonio situation he'll be there as a hold all right a cap hold for those of you who, who understand that and you'll see it as a first round pick you'll see the, the byline right there scott has it all built in properly but it's not going to make an impact just yet all right that's how this stuff works and they changed the cba rule for second round picks as well whereas you can basically float a second round offer sheet. And it doesn't count to your total active cap until essentially day one of the regular season. So they're making it easier to add bodies for summer league, for things like that. I like that quite a bit. I think the more we can see the better a summer league and an off season we can have for this league, the more opportunities guys will have when there's mid season injuries. You know, we've seen a lot of players come out of nowhere and just become guys in this league, role players for three, four seasons I think they're offering the opportunity for more of that to happen by eliminating some of the cap restrictions that existed in this previous CBA. So um, don't freak out when the, the cap picks don't automatically you know, factor in and you need to know how it all works out. It's not an impact right now. Okay, Teams get to go and have a full offseason right now and work on their guaranteed veteran deals and rookie extensions and things like that. And the draft picks can factor in later on. So I think the NBA has done a really good job with that, letting rookies be rookies for an offseason letting teams deal with veterans during the offseason and then bringing the two things together when the regular season begins from a financial standpoint. So just a couple of notes out there that I've noticed over the years, whenever draft night happens the next morning, we wake up to a barrage of what the hell just happened. Why is nothing updated? It is. It's just in holding. It's in holding pattern. And, and cap holds are a big, big part of the NBA offseason for those that follow. Okay. Um, I'll do more of these little NFL breakdowns as we're in vacation mode here. I've got plenty of players. I mentioned Mike Evans. He's one to talk about. We'll see where Delvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins uh, progress in the next couple of days. I think that probably comes to a head by the end of this week and uh, plenty more to get to. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Track Podcast.